Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. we got a great show for you this week. Jeremy and Gretchen are joining us as is Bill Snodgrass. We're going to be looking at some of the new video game consoles that just came out this last week. We're going to be talking about hotel experiences and using technology to figure that out. Today's news is brought to you by the Be Local, Buy Local Holiday Shopping Campaign sponsored by the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce and Metropolitan Land Group. Save up to 20% on gift cards and support local businesses impacted by the pandemic. Go to SherwoodChamber.org for more information. What's in the news? New gaming consoles are released this week. Yeah, we're going to talk about this in a little bit more detail. This was actually this last week that they were released. And we're seeing updates for the PlayStation and the Xbox. They've got a couple of different versions coming out. We're going to talk a little bit about what the different offerings are. A little bit more expensive this time around. We're looking at about a $500 price point. Some a little bit less, some a little bit more. Grown-up Play-Doh on sale for the holidays. Yeah, so this is actually a thing, and I looked on Amazon's website, and you can buy it at most big-box retailers as well. Some of the scents include things like Grill King, one that smells like a fresh-cut lawn, mm-hmm. overpriced latte, dad sneakers, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of others. Um, I'm not quite sure how I feel about this. We might have to check them out, though, but they're definitely out there, $12 a can, if you would like Grown-Up Play-Doh. Nah, it's a bit much. I don't know, it just seems really weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. HP subscription ink model. Yes, this is something that's been out there for a while, and like everything else, the printer manufacturers, HP in this case, are trying to get people to subscribe to services so that they can continue to generate money even after they've sold their product. One of the most expensive, or the most expensive liquid on the planet is printer ink, So it's something that does make a lot of money. And one of the things that HP's been hit from is the fact that you can buy third-party ink that's not manufactured by them. A while back, they tried the idea of putting microchips on their ink cartridges so that they wouldn't work if they were from another manufacturer. And there was some legal stuff about that that stopped it from doing it. So what this model is, and this was sent in is, Jeremy, I know something that you found in a press release, but also a listener question in which they were uh, quite negative about the idea, to put it mildly. What they're doing is basically, HP says, how many pages do you think you'll print this month? Well, I'm going to print 50 pages. So they send you an ink cartridge with just enough ink to print 50 pages, whatever that may okay, mean. That's, because, that's stupid. Well, and coverage <laughs> variations, and there's all kinds of problems with that, but that's what they do. You know, why don't they just lower the price on the ink and everybody would buy the ink from them? So that is never going to happen because that's how they make well, a lot is it of because money. It, is it because it's logical? It's, uh, <laughs> well, no, again, it's about money. So anyway, where this goes is the idea that they send you enough ink to print that many pages, and you can roll over a few to the next month if you don't use it. But the other thing that really upset our listener on this, and I've checked it out and it does seem to be true, is HP has a way of doing an over-the-air shutdown on your printer if you don't pay for the ink. So in other words, they can reach in and disable a smart printer uh, based on this kind of an idea. Now, I know from my own standpoint, I still order my toner just like I always would have used it and then order more when I need it. I don't subscribe to anything. But you're seeing a lot of this type of stuff with subscription services, and you know that's going a little bit too far. HP is a great company, but I can understand why this listener who had paid $300 and something for his printer, he said, to have it shut down uh, was not really a cool thing. 
I, I totally agree with the listener and I, I like HP printers and that would really tick me off and make me walk away from them as a company. So yeah, I, I'm, I've always been the against the idea of having, I, I've purchased something and then they can just come in and turn it off because I said something online and I don't like that. That's just not the way things are supposed to work. You know, an interesting footnote on this product is HP had for a while a uh, free ink for life promotion with some of their printers, but they have a thing where they can change any of that whenever they want to. It's in the terms and conditions. And that evidently has gone away and been replaced with 99 cents a month. And in both cases, it only contains 15 pages. So, you know, interesting thing here. I guess if you don't use a lot of ink, but I I don't know, this wouldn't be for me. Now, vulnerability found in AutoCAD products. Yeah, on the vulnerability. I'm sorry, uh, what was that? He asked if it was the hack of the week. Not the hack of the week. It's more of the pack of the day. Actually, Gretchen, this is something you found. Yeah, but I passed it on to you because yeah. you're better at explaining things so than you, I am. <laughs> you use and have used AutoCAD products for a long time. Yeah, I and really like them. And, and um, you know, I ha- I used them as a um, drafter. Drafter, yeah. Geological yeah. drafter, that is. And they're, they're still the go-to for a lot of different things in the professional industry and 3D and there's some, some other things that the, that they produce. Mm-hmm. And what they found is it has to do with the security updates. It looks like it's AutoCAD 2018 and newer that this actually affects. I haven't been able to find out if it doesn't affect the older versions or if they just don't support them anymore. But it is definitely being advised to go on and do updates and that type of thing. One of the other things that's interesting is AutoCAD has a free version now of a lot of their products for people that are in school and learning how to do engineering. And they're saying that one is especially necessary to do this update. Apparently, the uh, Virgin Hyperloop has been tested in Las Vegas. Yeah, and there's a lot of different opinions on this technology, even from our own team. Yeah, Um, I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what it is, is the Hyperloop is a system that uses a vacuum. It puts you in this tube, or in this thing that goes inside a tube. It uses megalith technology. And the car can be pulled through the tube at speeds up to about 600 miles an hour. And they're testing this outside of Las Vegas. They did a test run with people for the first time, got it up to about 100 miles per hour was all, but uh, it was an interesting first test. Now, Bill, I know that you are of the opinion that this is quite dangerous. Yeah. The Virgin Hyperloop and then, of course, uh, the other uh, Hyperloop that was developed by Elon Musk are physics nightmares (laughs) first of all it's a giant welded tube and the first idea they were going to put it through southern california above ground and i'm sorry i've been a welder you know heat gets hot down there and causes metal to expand and (laughs) when you have a couple hundred mile tube or something that's a lot of expansion right oh so you're saying that there's going to be a problem with the structure maintaining its integrity as the years go by. Okay. Now, this is where I want you to actually come into. This is a giant metal tube that is now being dropped down to nearly a vacuum. I want anybody who's interested, go look up the NASA vacuum testing thing for the space shuttle. Look at how it's designed. That is like 10 feet or more of solid reinforced concrete to maintain the vacuum similar to that of high altitudes in space. Then I want you to go look at what happens when you vacuum drain a uh, milk truck tank, you know, for a semi truck. 
and see how little, say, a rock or a hammer takes to turn that thing into a crushed soda can. So you're talking about different pressures on the inside and the outside and that type of thing. And then on top of that, and this is just a physics thing, if you're in this tube, which is vacuum sealed, if there is a breach ahead of you in that pipe and you're traveling forward, you're going to literally smack into a wall of air traveling at the speed of sound. There is nothing that is going to save you from that. You are going to be splattered, literally. If it's behind you, you might as well have just been shot out of a cannon because that wall of air is going to come in behind you at the speed of sound and just shove you down that pipe till you hit the end and there is no way out. And then on top of that, if something happens to, say, the electricity or something like that inside the tube and you're stuck, that where are you going? You have just the air inside your capsule. Right. Because if you step out, you're in a vacuum. You're in space. <laughs> you're going to die. Yeah, they're going to have to do a whole lot more engineering for this. Well, it seemed like they started the project a couple of years ago. And what is it? Yesterday or something or a couple of days ago was the first time they, they put people in it. So See, I'm, I'm fine with a maglev inside of a tube. That's just a maglev subway. And if mm -hmm. it's built right, great idea. But the amount of work it takes to put people into space and you want to do it on Earth, which is actually harder, is just blows my mind that people want to do this because it's dangerous. It, it just is. You know, I think I'm going to be waiting to see some more test results before trying this and stick with the train. This is <laughs> yeah. User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're seeing some new technology that has just come out this last week, and it's actually a big step up and something that we've talked about in the past, and that's gaming consoles. Microsoft and Sony have both released their new versions into the market, the next generation, as they're being called, of these different consoles, and they've got a couple of different options available. The Microsoft Xbox has two models, the Series S, which is retail price of $299, and the Series X which is a little bit more powerful version of it for, at $4.99. PlayStation 5 has also come out this week. They released on Thursday, and the PS5 regular is $4.99, and the digital edition is $3.99. We'll talk about that here in a little bit is what this is. Now, Bill, you work a lot with our gaming stuff, and I know that you've looked at some of this stuff. Give us just an overview of all this. Well, I mean, the basic of it is they're selling you a digital download only version and i'm guessing one that has a disk drive right <laughs> is yeah. Really yeah um it is a difference in you know i mean most people usually pick what they're going for way early on or they've been sticking with it or you're going to have your own reasons for choosing them they're just the next generation of consoles i've heard good i've heard bad I'm not big on some of the designs for some of them, but, you know, everybody's got their own choices in this. <laughs> yeah, the, the design is interesting. I know the PS5 is not something that you would necessarily put in an entertainment console. It has a lot of heat, and it looks like this kind of almost tower thing, and there's been pictures of it out for a while. And the difference on those, by the way, is absolutely one has a drive, the other does not. So in my case, I still very, very rarely play things like a Blu-ray disc. So they do double for me as the as the player. 
So not having yeah. the uh, drive in there would be a little bit problematic. And there's a lot of people that like to get computer software, myself included, on uh, media, physical media. Even though in most cases with these, it seems like now if you do that, all that really is is an installer that goes out to the internet and downloads the actual whatever it is. <clears throat> yes, yeah, no, that seems weird. Yeah. But the benefit, though, like the reason why I would get the fancier PS5 is the backwards compatibility thing that they have going. So there's right. a lot of games I own that all I have to do is put the PS4 version of the game in and I automatically get the PS5 updated version. That's cool. Yeah, and if there isn't a PS5 version, it actually will play the PS4 version. And that is one nice thing about it is that you don't have to replace all of your old software like you've had to in the past. Yeah. Now, I know that they're dropping compatibility of Sony is for PlayStation 3. In fact, the PlayStation 3 games were taken off of the market a while back in anticipation of the upgrade here. So there are some changes with that. I have a funny feeling they will re-release some of the really old software. But you got to figure with these type of things, too, is there is such a difference in the capability. As a, For example, the new consoles are 4K. The old ones weren't. They would upscale in some cases, but you do have a huge difference there. The processing power is greatly increased. That if you have a game that's something, you know, really, really old, let's go back even further. Say a PlayStation 1 or 2 game that doesn't support high-definition output, it's going to look just terrible on one of these new platforms, it would seem like. Would you agree with that? To an extent, I would, but I've also played the updated versions. Um, you can get some of the old Final Fantasies and stuff from PlayStation 1 or even older onto PlayStation 4, um, which really helped quite a bit with things so that you could still enjoy them. Uh, they upscale. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's going to be some issues. You know, I plug in my PS2 to my flat screen, you know, 50 inch TV and it looked terrible. <laughs> right, it's right. Still, it's still fun. You know, I didn't mind about the graphics back then and I don't mind about the graphics now. Um a lot of them they update mostly is just cleaning it up, bringing it up into a higher resolution, but the graphics are still there. You know, they're getting at those blocky polygons and stuff, but being able to play the older games, because uh, as I've said, you know, a good game is a good game. doesn't matter if it was on a PlayStation one or a PlayStation five. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I think it comes down to that a lot. I know one of the libraries I was able to get on the PS four, which will work with the PS five is a, uh, it's, it comes out on a disc like they did. But it's the entire library of what was out on the Sega Genesis. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, that was a 16-bit console from the 90s that had some good games and some really not-so-good games, you know, like all of them do. But the interface <laughs> that made it work on the PS4 for high definition was basically it took the old 480i resolution in the game, put it in the center of the screen, stretched it out a little bit, and then put a box that looked like an old television around it. <laughs> and that was their way of uh, cool. of dealing and it worked it worked well i mean i have uh mm -hmm. like you said I, I think mine's a 55 inch or something uh flat screen and it worked just fine on it. it 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 played if they had tried to stretch it out to be the full 1080i or 4k in this case it wouldn't have it wouldn't have done so well because like you say it does have a lot of the old 16-bit polygon those type of graphics in there that there is a point where it's just is what it is and uh, but the gameplay still worked. It it was a lot of fun to work with, and the interface had this thing where you went through this process. If you wanted to change virtual cartridges on your Sega Virtual Sega Genesis, you went to a shelf, pulled the thing off the library, took the cartridge out of the box, and plugged it into the top of this console, all virtually, of course, and that would actually <laughs> switch it out. So it was kind of cool how they did it, you know. But oh, yeah. uh, 
What are you expecting? Uh, is it worth even updating to a PS5? Do you think there's, or, or a new uh, Xbox? Is there going to be that big of a difference? Yes, but I always ca- put this with a caveat that I have never bought a launch day console. <laughs> and there's a reason. Yeah. Uh, anybody who has been around gaming for as long as we have, I still remember back when like the first PS2s uh, were going out. Um, the first Xboxes with Red Ring. Saw that with the PS4s again for a little bit. The Xbox 360 with Red Ring again. I tend to wait until those kind of level out. Of course, you know, with the PS4, those tended to level out earlier. Uh, there was still a lot of Xbox Red Ringing going on past that. Um, but, you know, you go buy a PS4 or an Xbox 360 now, and it's not even a question. Yeah, it would. You know, something that's going to last because they've kind of finally ironed out those problems. And you were talking about the PS4 or 5 being hot. Clearly, there's a problem with that. Um, There's always a lot of these questions, and it even comes down to make sure, you know, which way the system is meant to be set for the cooling. Um, Some of them they sell with like a vertical stand and stuff, and it's like you don't want to do that because it's actually bad for the system because of how they designed them. Right. Right. They're, they're computers and there are good tower configurations for cooling and bad. So you can prolong it. You got to keep them clean. Of course, you can't open a PS4, PS5, and Xboxes. But I mean, you're going to get different things out of different ones. I'm looking forward to some of the exclusives for PS5. I've kind of fallen out with Xbox, uh, but I have started having some issues with Sony recently. But, you know, I mean, it's I'm going to see where it ends before I... Uh, really get into it myself yeah all right well we'll see how this goes this is user-friendly 2.0 we'll be back after the break Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the section of the show where you ask your questions and we give you our answers. Send in your questions, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter, or on our website at userfriendlynation.com, or give us a call, 503-766-6264. What questions do we have this week? How do I avoid the crowds for Black Friday this year? Yeah, COVID-19 has changed everything, and this is no exception. And the big box retailers this year are changing up the way that they're doing their specials. And they've already started running them in a lot of cases. They're being done as categories. You can get to everything online. The one positive side of this is it will avoid the lines. And they're trying to keep a lot of people out of the stores this year just because of health reasons. But the other side of it is there's a certain amount of excitement that goes on with that. We're going to see for the first time in many years that Walmart and a lot of other retailers are actually closed on Thanksgiving Day. So (laughs) the best way to handle this is watch for the specials online, order online. The other thing is, is not everything is available all the time, so you do have to check back for what specials are happening when. But, but my Black Friday gladiatorial fights. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I, I know. How am I, I going to watch those? This is the bummer. You know, this is the bummer. However, I really? will say that on YouTube and a lot of other providers, there's a lot of footage from past years. So even so, you'll have to do your fight virtually this year. <laughs> <laughs> is it true AI can detect COVID nineteen? This is an interesting idea. I don't think it has won approval from any, you know, authorities or anything like that yet, but it is looking like this may be possible. 
And what it is is an app that is able to listen to the way you cough. And it's able to pick up minute differences that we cannot hear to be able to tell if the cough is forced, if it's actually because you're sick, and if it's because you have COVID-19. They're saying it's been about 90% successful, including asymptomatic individuals. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But if you're asymptomatic, then how are you coughing? Well, and that's a question that uh, would have to definitely go along with this. But when it has picked up coughing, it's been able to pick it, pick that up. I would assume, yeah. you know, that we just cough sometimes. And it may not be actually as a direct result of COVID, but I'm not a doctor, so, you know. There's also a, a unique cough to the area that we're currently living in. And it's it's unique to this area. Yeah, it's a dry cough that just has no, like, f official yeah. like, cause. It's so, just... and that's been going on long before COVID. Right. So, I wonder if, you know, do they take into consideration things like that? Well, you know, what we could do is test this out. Let's all see if we can get the app and give it a try. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Do I still need a hard drive in my next computer? Yeah, this question isn't quite what it sounds like. I talked to the person that submitted it, and okay. what they're actually asking about is not cloud storage, which is what I originally read this as, but is the idea that a lot of companies are coming out with flash memory that is really, really cheap. In fact, there's a new process where we're going to probably see 100 terabyte uh, flash cards in the next wow. couple of years. And the question becomes then, if you can get memory like that, do you still need a hard drive in your computer when you can use the flash memory? You would still need a hard drive for things like booting the computer and yeah. those kind of things. Um, that's going to be required. But I have been long since an advocate of solid state drives, which is made out of essentially the same technology as a flash drive, a solid state material. They boot faster. They work better. And as these things are being perfected, I think we will see a lot more where it's used instead of mechanical drives. Now, one thing I will say that I just recently ran into is flash memory does have a limited number of writes, and uh, I ran into that for the first time on a, on a flash stick that I had, and what it did is it wouldn't accept any more changes. I was still able to recover everything. You could read it, but you just couldn't write to it anymore. So the technology does have its limitations in that respect, but mechanical hard drives break down too, so it's just part of the machinery. Can I use a health app on my smartwatch to replace my doctor? Uh, no. Uh, what else would you like to know? <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, that's that uh, double face palm, John yeah, Picard. Yeah. And it's just, you know, the, watch. the reality is, is this is actually a very valid question because there are so many health apps coming out for our smartwatches and phones and that type of thing, but they are designed to augment, not replace your doctor. And in a lot of cases, it's good to have them. They can pick up on things and warn you of situations that you might not know about. There's been some instances where they have saved people's lives, but mm -hmm. it definitely does not replace the training, the personal experience, and the ability for a doctor to actually check things out and see what's going on. So, no. So, the smart doctor is more like a helper. It's more like a helper, and it can pick up on certain things where you want to see your doctor. And like I say, there's been some situations where it has saved people's lives and that type of thing. So, I highly recommend a smartwatch, especially if you're in a category that you need health monitoring. But no, it certainly should not, under any circumstances, replace the actual consultation that you would have with your doctor. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 
We all use technology for a lot of different things, and traveling is no exception to that. This year has been a little bit different, but I know when we all go out to conventions and different things like that, we look online at reviews, and most people do that that book a hotel room. And it turns out you got to be careful if you post a review in some countries, specifically Thailand, because you might get arrested for your review. And what happened here is this is a story of an American worker in Thailand His name was Leslie Barnes, and he was arrested at his job over a defamation lawsuit filed by the owner of the Seaview Resort and Spa in response to a negative TripAdvisor review. And what had happened here is he had had an experience where they had a disagreement over a corkage fee in the restaurant, and it was a $15 fee, and it led into this situation where he posted this negative review. Okay, so that happens. One-star review, didn't like the resort, life goes on. Well, to have the resort be able to file a lawsuit and have him actually arrested for this. And what ended up happening is he spent a couple of nights in jail. He had to post a bond of about a little over 3000 U.S. dollars in their local currency and would have faced two years in prison if convicted. And to get out of this, he had to write an apology letter that sounded like a KGB uh, testimonial or confession from those years a little bit. Wow. And get a letter from trip advisors that they wouldn't put a red shield on the hotel's account. And this is like a bad thing. If you see it, you don't stay there. And the review he posted, the text of it is actually the staff was not friendly. Nobody could smile. The restaurant manager was very rude and full of himself. He was from the Czech Republic. There are other hotels with better, friendlier staff. Avoid this place as if it were the coronavirus. I see reviews like that all the time on TripAdvisor, Yelp, that kind of a thing. Never been arrested for it before. So you got to be careful with this type of a situation. I I don't know, you know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Is yeah, right. and 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 it wasn't even really that nasty. No. No. <laughs> you. Have to, I mean, I don't know. Can you can prove that the staff isn't friendly? I don't understand how that can result in a lawsuit. You know, in most countries in the world, it is possible to get in legal trouble for libel. Uh, so if you want to post something, you want to make sure it's real. But in countries like the United States, that's a civil thing. The company can come after you for posting it, and you have to prove that what you wrote was true. In this particular situation, it's actually a criminal offense, which wow. makes for a huge difference. And uh, so you know what TripAdvisor did at the end of the day is they didn't post this red shield thing. But when you go and look up the website on uh, for this uh, a hotel on TripAdvisor for Seaview Resort and Spa, it actually comes up with a warning at the top of the screen that talks hmm. about the situation, what happened. So they did exactly what they promised. No, you know, negative block on it, but it's there for everybody to see. The hotel has said that it doesn't express actually what happened and that the fact that they did that is unfair. And having negative reviews on booking sites can be major, major bad for your resort because people, you know, look at that and, and really kind of focus on it. And We've stayed in a lot of hotels, and fortunately, most of them have been very good. But unfortunately, we've run into a few. And uh, we're going to take a few minutes here and talk about this. And Bill, you're starting this off. The fifth worst, worst hotel, in our opinion, is the Circus Circus Reno. What happened to you there? Okay, honestly, I feel like I'm starting this off really easy, and it really wasn't the worst. I've had a lot of really great stays at the Circus Circus in Reno. Uh, I really wish they had... Uh, microwaves and refrigerators in their room being what they are but i understand they want you to go down and eat instead of staying in your room but i have dietary restrictions so that changes but the worst day that i had there is they put us in the room that was right across from the stairwell and in when a big building like that 
I guess because the way the pressurization happens, if someone opened the stairwell on the bottom floor, it shook all of the doors. And so all throughout the day and night, you're thinking someone's slamming a door across the hallway from you. And wow, it, I mean, it was wasn't the worst thing that I've heard of, but you know, it was. It definitely annoying. would be difficult. I could see where something like that would definitely prevent you from being able to get a good night's sleep. Yeah, and I've been in the circus circus. I've seen both ends of this, and uh, uh, they have some good stuff. And definitely it's why it's not the worst on our list, but it is one that we've had experiences with. Number four is one that I dealt with a while back called Arizona Charlie's. This is a chain of hotel <laughs> casinos in Las Vegas. And I probably should have gone somewhere else when I walked into the room and my feet stuck to the carpet. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting. We also had an experience there in one of their restaurants where a roach jumped out of a bowl of food at another table. And mm-hmm. uh, well, and I also had an entire drink spilled on me. Yeah, yeah. that was a pitcher, dear. Okay. No, the whole pitcher of soda. <laughs> so, so they've had their experiences there. And this is a low-price casino. Uh, there's a couple of different locations, at least at the time there were in Las Vegas. I don't know if they're still there. But uh, yeah, I think the roach was definitely eye-opening, and uh, and it literally jumped. I didn't know those things could jump so high. And um, oh. it, uh, yeah, it definitely, uh, you know, you want to look. And th- these things at these times were gross. In the day of COVID, it actually can be very dangerous. So, yeah. uh, you know, getting this cleaned up, which leads us to number three. And Jeremy, I'm going to let you talk about this. Uh, this was coming back from an event in California, a hotel on Interstate 80 called the Elmwood. Mm-hmm. It was an older, like... Uh, it's like a travel lodge travel type, lodge type type, type building. Yeah, yeah, it was a motor. It, it still had signage up from the seventies, like yeah. uh, power warning. You don't use the power. Um, you know, turn off all your lights. They and we're talking about the energy crisis in the seventies. Yeah, so they still left the signage up in the nineties from the seventies, and there was a like one and a half inch gap uh-huh. under the front door. And it, this was winter time. Yeah, it was in so winter. It was cold. Uh, it was not exactly the warmest room, even with the heat on, and the bathroom was so small, you could get one person in there at a time, and you had to step over and around the toilet to shut the door. Oh, yeah, details, <laughs> you know, it had been remodeled, but not completely. They, I know they okay, had wow, that's, spreads. Yeah, that's smaller than where I, where, where I was uh, living when I was born. Yeah. <laughs> My mom could sit, use the toilet, soak her feet, and wash her hands. But we yeah. live in the Airstream camp trailer, so... Well, that's yeah. to be expected. No, that's that's a little that. smaller environment. But uh, so number two on our list, and now these start getting into the real bad one. Gretchen, I'm going to let you comment on this initially. Was the Red Roof Inn in Vallejo, California. And uh, this was a recent stay, 2018. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when we arrived, I just had a bad feeling. Uh, the elevator was, it smelled wrong. It smelled like, didn't it smell like fish? It, it smelled like rotting fish. Yeah. yeah. And the room was really dirty. And then, uh, it, it, then obviously the people like nearby, there was like people sitting out in the back parking lot constantly. And I think that was their cleaning staff. I'm not sure. They kind of looked like refugees. And uh, there was lots of pot smoke. And I'm allergic to that. And so I don't want to smell it. And the 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 outlets and things looked like they were broken. Like it's it just too many things. I think to, we may yeah. have also had bed bugs at that one, and there was uh, some other things too. I remember we also had an earthquake in the middle of the night that night. That wasn't the hotel's fault, of course, but it was interesting. I, I thought maybe the hotel would fall apart. Yeah, there the you. The really bad one is the next one. Yeah, the Motel Six Ridgecrest. Now 
This is a hotel that's too, we, we st- had to stop at this at an overnight thing on the way to San Diego Comic-Con one year, a few years back. And Motel 6 is usually very basic, but they're clean and, and okay. Well, this one was not. In fact, this one is no longer part of the Motel 6 brand. And this one was, I, I, I don't know, a drug hotel would be the best way to put it. Ridgecrest is 120 degrees this time of year. The air conditioning didn't work. The fire suppression didn't work. Glass was broken throughout. Security, uh, this type of thing. didn't make sense. You know, all oh, yeah, that kind you of turned, stuff. You had to turn something off to make something else turn on. Yeah, if you turned the lights off, the air conditioner, what little bit of it there was, would turn off. So you had to sleep with your lights on. Uh, but the owner did own a Mercedes-Benz car. So, you know, at least there was that. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. Yes. Indeed. You know, it's interesting to see the new generation of game consoles coming out. We're going to be covering them more and more as we see some of the games and software and accessories and that type of thing that's coming up. But to quote Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, if you only have one shelf in your entertainment center, you got to decide which one you want now. And that decision's yours all over again. So another piece of technology that (laughs) thank you for that. Yeah, you only have space for one. (laughs) (laughs) So another piece of technology that is being updated and has been out on the market for a while is something called the Raspberry Pi. And uh, this is not something you eat, although I like Raspberry Pi too. But it's a type of computer that's meant for hobbyists. And the new version of it is basically it looks just like a keyboard with the computer itself built in. And they've had these over the years where you can actually put them together. It's uh, maybe about two inches by three and a half inches in size. Yeah, and they're tiny. Yeah. Tiny little things, <laughs> and they you can get screens for them, touch screens, all these different things, or you can use them just as a, as a machine on their own. They work off of flash memory, and you can actually do things like load windows on them and all kinds of stuff. So they, they do a lot. And this new version of it is a great holiday idea if you have anybody that's a hobbyist. They basically run off of Python code, and there's something that you can get the components of and build out to do whatever you want it to do. But you can learn about the different parts of a computer and how the different engineering works and what different components are available and what it will all do by putting one of these things together. It's almost like a Lego of a computer. Is it expensive? Actually, they're not too bad. You can get the whole entry kit with a screen and the whole bit for it for under $100. You can get just the basic kit for under 40 they are sold in different generations, so I would say go for the newest one, which I believe is the version 4 now, and just has a little bit more memory, better processor, that kind of thing built into it. And then you can go ahead and look online, or a lot of stores, I know that Fry's Electronics, if you have one in your area, at least used to carry the components for this. I've seen them even at Barnes & Noble and stuff, so they are around, they're definitely available online. And you can kind of figure out what you wanted to do and get things to put together. A lot of them are used in robotics smart home systems, that type of thing, to be able to put it together the way you want it and make it actually work. Cool. Yeah, we, we used a, a Raspberry Pi thingy to uh, rewrite some RFID chips for me. Yeah, I remember doing that when you were getting your 3D printer set up. Yeah. Yeah, because he had an old one and it was having problems reading, you know, the different types of um, filament. Filament, yeah. yeah. So we had to make it, we had to make new new chips for the filament to read and... Uh, well, as we, we assembled it correctly with all the different pieces, and it was kind of cool. Yeah, the, one of the most unique uh, implementations I've seen at them was at a Comic-Con, 
where somebody's built one of these and it actually replicates all of the old gaming consoles, like the old Nintendo and Atari and stuff like that. Yeah. And with it, you're actually able to run these old games. It all fits in the memory on the little device along with the emulators and that type of thing. And you can buy them and you have them all set up there, plugs into your TV, and it's good to go. All right, this is User Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.